Hello, friends. Welcome back. You are listening to Clarification, the psychology podcast brought to you by me, your host, Claire Adamson. In this podcast, I strive to make psychology concepts accessible and interesting by applying them to my daily life. Can you believe it's episode five already? Already? And it's an honor. Um, It's so exciting to be at episode five because even just from the beginning and where I started in episode one, I feel and I can recognize the changes. I notice things and I've gotten feedback that helps me improve. And we're here to stay, here to be constantly improving and changing and growing. So everybody who's been listening, thank you for your investment, your time, your trust and your honesty because people have been sending me such genuine and personal responses and in response (laughs) in reply to the things that I've said on my podcast I share personal stories and to get other people sharing their personal stories with me also makes me feel like my message is being received but it also just makes me feel connected to all the listeners as well because sometimes the internet can feel like shouting into an abyss where your voice just gets lost. And so to have people be like, hey, I listened to this. I related to that. This is how my experience was different from yours. It's just so heartwarming. So thank you. Really, really thank you to everyone who sent me an Instagram DM, a text, and just a personal experience or a story from their own lives. I really appreciate it. And that's probably been my favorite part of creating this so far. And let me say, it's one thing to be the creator of content, and it's another thing to be the promoter of that content. It's like, I can create the most incredible painting, but if I keep it locked away in a room and don't tell any about anybody about it, nobody's ever going to see it. So... Podcasts are usually found by word of mouth. So tell a friend, tell a friend, share it with somebody who you think could benefit from hearing the personal stories and psychology theories that I share. And don't be afraid to leave a five-star review if you think the content that I'm delivering is five stars. So far, I've been delivering one-woman show episodes with just me chatting away. And as much as I enjoy that, that's not what I set out to do in the first place. Next week, I'm super excited to be interviewing and conversating. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be interview. You're not here to get grilled. This is not grilled. <laughs> it's going to be a comfortable, uncomfortable conversation. And I'm so excited to welcome my friend, somebody who's really near and dear to my heart. Maybe I'll tease who it is before I release it and before I announce it here, just to get you guys excited. But I then realized and became aware of the fact that when I speak to someone else, my voice is also going to sound different. Like I'm a lot more animated in conversation with other people and people bring up different parts of yourself. So in this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more about voice confrontation. Why is it that we don't like the sound of our own voices? And perception, perceptions, self-images, self-concepts, and what it's like to experience a disconnect with the person that you perceive yourself to be 
and the person that others perceive of you to be. I think we're all familiar with that painful experience of hearing yourself on an audio or recorded or on a video, like when you're at a concert and you're singing along to the words and and then you play it back and you hear yourself and you're like, damn, I'm sorry to whoever was standing next to me because I do not sound good. I should have left the singing to the professionals, but you were at a concert and you were having fun. So who could care could care. I could care less about what I sounded like in that moment. But let's use psychology to understand this. When we hear sounds from an external source, either somebody talking or an object making a noise, we hear the air particles vibrate and that goes into our inner ear and translates into sound, which is now comprehensible to our brain. But when we are speaking, we hear our own voice from the sound vibrations of the particles in the air, but we also hear the vibrations from our bones and the sound traveling through our sinuses and our skull, which in fact produces the illusion of you having a deeper voice than you actually have because of these sound vibrations from inside your body. And so in psychology, they call this the Mickey Mouse effect, When you hear yourself on a recording, you're like, whoa, my voice is high pitched (laughs) because you're removing all those extra layers of embodied sound coming from your bones and your sinuses and your skull. And so the realization of hearing yourself on an audio and the disconnect between that sound that you hear and your own experience of your own voice is called voice confrontation. And it's not because of this disconnect in the sounds alone. The other thing that is uncomfortable for people to realize is all the extra linguistic cues that come when we hear our own voices. And that's usually like feelings of emotion or even just the manner in which you speak, the expressions that you use, how your voice rises and falls, like different intonations. Intonations? I believe that's the correct word. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. But all these extra layers and added elements of sound that you're not recognizing when you speak and can only recognize from a third person view of hearing your voice being played back. This voice confrontation is uncomfortable because you don't realize you're doing all of these things in the moment in which you're doing them. Unless you have, you know, the metacognition of thinking, now I'm speaking in a robotic voice or now I'm trying to sound more smooth and lovely and I don't know, slick to the ear. So this confrontation is like the disconnect between what other people are hearing and what you perceive yourself to be. And it really messes with your own self-concept if you're not exposing yourself to this often. And another thing that we also see this happen is like, you know, when you look in a mirror, we're so used to seeing our faces inverted. And then when you take a picture or you're on your phone and you're using your selfie camera, then the image is also altered. And when you actually see your face from a more, a distant view or in a video from a camera that's head on, then it's also like, who is that person? Like, it feels weird. 
And sometimes I'm like automatically flipping the image so that I'm seeing it in the way that I see it in my phone, because that's what we're more used to seeing and consuming. And this like confrontation can be really difficult. So I, for one, have been able to get over mostly hearing my own voice and being like, really, is that me? I've primed myself and listened to myself enough times to be like, okay, I know what I sound like. I'm actively and consciously thinking about presenting or trying to sound in specific ways. But one thing that still really gets me is seeing myself in pictures. And not so much just the flipping of images or seeing myself from this perspective. I really struggle with, oh, got to open up on the internet. Let's do it. Let's do it. I really struggle with my smile. It's here that I would like to take a pause and a moment of reflection because I'm recording this now a couple of days after my initial recording. Consider this a little intermission halfway through the episode. And if it's a bit confusing, please forgive me, bear with me. If you don't like the fact that I have an intermission, leave a comment, leave a review, tell me so I can know not to do this again. But What I realized upon re-listening to myself and this episode is that if I was a listener of this podcast, this sentence and this point would be my exit. This would be my reason to stop listening because I feel my own thoughts missing an element of critical thinking. As much as I can get on the internet and some people will say that it's brave to admit my own insecurities, what I have to also consider is my own positionality. As someone who's relatively skinny and light-skinned, I benefit from a lot of privilege in this world simply by how I present. And even if I have negative uh, perceptions of myself or see myself negatively, I still am living in a society in a world where I constantly have my beauty reaffirmed. Where on the internet, if I post a picture, people will comment positive things. People will, you know, come up to me and compliment me in public spaces because of these certain elements of my appearance. And I can only speak from an eye perspective. I can only speak about my own experiences in these situations. So while, yes, having insecurities and not being satisfied with how you look is almost a universal experience or a lot of people experience this. Other people also have the extra added layer of societally being viewed as unattractive. And when they're either in a public space or online, they would have people say hateful and negative things towards them. Now, I can't even imagine what it's like to have to first face your own insecurities and then still have this added layer of insecurities or negative perceptions and judgment being so freely shared by other people. And while it must take, and it will take a lot for me to get to a place where I accept those insecurities and love myself regardless, I can imagine that it would take so much more work for somebody who is societally viewed as unattractive And I have my hands, you know, in quotation marks, which obviously you can't see because this is a podcast. But 
It really goes back to this idea of beauty being a capitalist and white supremacist idea. I know we all think beauty is a very neutral or simple thing to understand, but then deeper still, it's questions of why are the people that you find beautiful? Why do you think they're beautiful? What are the norms of society that they are conforming to? You know, there's this thing of even in like inclusivity conversations, when, for example, plus size models are being added to um, advertisement agencies and brands, it'll be okay, you can be plus sized, but you can't be dark skinned, you can't be disabled, you can't be, you know, all the other elements. It's you're allowed to pass on this one factor and we include you in our definition of beauty but you're still not allowed to have other factors that are normally considered as unattractive. Or for example, darker skinned women having to conform to ideas of hyperfemininity or having Eurocentric facial features in order to still be considered as beautiful. So it would be a little bit ignorant and a little bit shallow of me to sit here and be like, oh, I have insecurities about my smile. And yes, I do. And it's true. But it doesn't also acknowledge the fact that I'm still being perceived generally as somebody who's beautiful. So in order to do you justice, in order to paint a full comprehensive picture, I had to think my thoughts a little bit deeper and think about me and my position in the world so that I could have a more well-rounded perspective on the topic. I hope it wasn't too confusing, but now we're going to pick up where I left off on the fact that having a gummy smile is one of my insecurities. And when I'm like happy, when I'm really in the moment, when I'm really laughing, when I can't control my joy, I have this thing where my, my upper lip just almost disappears and I have like a really gummy smile. And when I see pictures of myself, like in the moment, fully enjoying myself and, you know, giving everybody a whole set view of my teeth, it really makes me uncomfortable. And in fact, almost embarrassed, like embarrassed to be caught or captured in the moment of experiencing so much joy or so much happiness. And I don't understand why that is embarrassing. Like, aren't we supposed to be happy? looping back to the first episode, maybe it's, I think, the perceptions of me or the social norm is to be this, yeah, cool, calm, collected, mysterious girl who doesn't get caught having fun. And so that's the self-image that I'm trying to portray. And when I now, you know, get photos from an event and I'm caught there with the full teeth smile and the gums, I'm like, oh my goodness. It's the disconnect between how I was trying to portray myself and then the real self that people actually see. This disconnect actually has a name in psychology and it is the self-discrepancy theory. And to understand this, you need to understand three more concepts of self that contribute to your self-concept. So there is the actual self, which is how you actually show up in the world, what you look like, what traits you actually possess. Then there is the ideal self, so the self that you strive to be, 
who you would want to be and yeah, what you're working towards. And then there is the ought self. So that is who you imagine other people think you should be, right? And just to make this a little bit more concrete for myself, my ideal self, or perhaps let's start with the ought self. My ought self is I think other people think I should be quiet and reserved and cool and mysterious. And my actual self is silly, goofy, a full embodiment of joy. And my ideal self, I imagine, I think, in my brain, I know currently that my ideal self is this cool, calm, collected, mysterious person. And the work has to go in in changing what you think your ideal self should be. And what I actually want for my ideal self is to be the most honest and authentic expression of self in each moment. Whether that is cool and calm and collected in one instance, or fully joyful and happy and loud and goofy and silly in another moment. It's called self-discrepancy theory because when there are discrepancies between the actual self and the ideal self and the ought self, then feelings of anxiety, discomfort, shame, and embarrassment arise. And it's different depending on which discrepancies there are between which self. And if that's something you would like me to get further into, then we can. But it is just this disconnect and discomfort over a difference between ideal self, ought self, and then actual self. Can you believe I actually used to look up like how to make your smile less gummy? And it came up with options on Google of Botox or surgery. And, you know, I never brought this up to my parents because I know they would be like, girl, you better stop playing. Like, you better stop being so silly about this because my mom has a gummy smile as well. So it must be genetic. And I love to see her smile. I love to see her happy. So why is it that I'm being so hard on myself? Why is it that I'm so ashamed of experiencing joy? And I'm asking this question, but I already answered it. And it's because of this discrepancy between ideal ought and actual self. And I just want to strive for an ideal self and an actual self of someone who is comfortable expressing themselves, however, and fully embodying their joy and allowing it. You know, there are so many photos that I have of myself at a party or at a birthday or in moments of celebration that I never posted on Instagram because of my gummy smile. And for this episode, I'm going to release them. I'm going to share the full gummy smile. I'm going to drop all those photos. And so when I was discussing this episode with someone, I was asked, so how do we get over the discomfort and the self-discrepancies that you experience between your art self, your ideal self, the version of yourself that you are, and how other people perceive you? And I thought about it. And what I've come up with is the fact that, you know how if someone's taller than you and they're looking at you, they're kind of looking down at you. Like you're kind of like small to them. And if someone is shorter than you and they're looking up at you, then you're 
in their mind this bigger image. And I think this also applies to voice because imagine if someone grew up in a household where there was a lot of shouting and it was a negative environment. When they hear shouting now or your voice being loud now, that could trigger that parts of themselves that felt unsafe in the shouting. Whereas if you grew up in a place where everyone was loud and always shouting, but it wasn't considered to be a negative environment where people shouting was positive or even just neutral, then when you hear shouting, you're not as alarmed or you don't even perceive it as a threat. And these differences in people's experiences also inform how they perceive you. So if you can imagine, everybody's prior experiences to meeting you informs their perception of you, including like their height, their position, their distance away from you, affects how they see you. Then in that case, there's no actual self. There's no singular expression of self because everyone is perceiving you differently. Then it becomes this thing of, Everyone perceives me differently. So why am I trying to make sure that there's a consistency? Or why am I even hesitating between how I perceive myself and how other people perceive me? It's almost as if then there becomes no singular expression of self. And I think that's kind of freeing and to be like, well, what can I do? What can I do about it? Because a million different versions of me exist in all the minds of the people that I've met. And I will continue to show up in a million different ways and change every single day. And I think I can find some comfort in that. I need to stop recording these episodes in the evening and the night because I'm hungry. And I think <laughs> I think you can hear my voice shaking in places. I gotta go home and feed myself. So... I just want to thank you. You've been listening to an episode of Clarification. And if you made it to the very end, please go ahead and leave this emoji. It's a bit hard to describe. And some people use it as a smile, but it's just like the two eyes and the teeth, like, you know, the clenched jaw. Leave that comment on that emoji underneath the photos of me with my gummy smile. So I know that you guys know or I know that you listened and I can thank you personally because it means the world to me that anybody listens to clarification, that anybody cares about the content that I'm creating and delivering. Thank you and have a good night until next time.